Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on The Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up later, I want to talk about a scam that is really bone-chilling and is growing right now in the U.S. So let's talk about something positive. The average age of a vehicle in the United States has gone up a whole lot. And I was doing an interview recently where someone asked me a really cool question, and I had to pause for a second and think about it. When I started giving consumer advice in the 1980s, what did people call me about? Do you know far and away, overwhelmingly, were car problems? Either problems with getting a car repaired, problems with a car being unreliable, vehicle, and we didn't use the word vehicle then, it was all called car, whatever it was. I mean, that was by far the number one thing people would call in about. And today, problems with a car, its reliability, getting it repaired, anything like that, it's still a category we hear about. Still a category people call us about for our free off-the-air advice we offer as well, but it is a minor category versus being the dominant one. The reason is vehicles are so much more reliable than they used to be. I know this is hard to believe, but companies manufacturing electric vehicles say that the technology being used in electric vehicles means that those vehicles are potentially capable of staying on the road a million miles. A million. And it's not at all unusual that gas engine vehicles can stay on the road a quarter million and the outliers are on the road 400,000 miles. It's fantastic. Do you know that Historically, when a gas engine vehicle would hit 100,000 miles, it was considered to be nearly worthless as a used vehicle sale. That's not true anymore because of the fact that it still has a lot of miles to run. But if you keep a vehicle on the road a good long while, getting spare parts for it has gotten much more difficult because of just the age and people do all kinds of things they'll go to these um, places where you can buy used auto parts uh, usually somehow tied into now computerized databases where you can go to uh, a junkyard and buy parts or even the places where you go with your own tools and you take the parts off a junk vehicle but Something that is growing quite rapidly right now is using 3D printing technology to make a part. In fact, it's become so prominent that it's become controversial with classic cars. That classic cars, people want actual original manufacturer's parts. And they don't want something that was printed with a 3D printer. It doesn't matter how good those 3D printer parts are. It just is not what the classic car market's about. But if for you, you're just keeping 
affordable transportation on the road. Know that there's a lot now being done with 3D printing parts. There are organizations that do that around the country, that you contact them for a part you need, and they 3D manufacture it and send it to you. There are people that are very enterprising that are using 3D printers on their own, but more likely, this is how you're doing it. You're doing it through one of these 3D printed parts people. So if you have a particular brand of vehicle that's older, you're looking for a type of part, and you're going online for it, do as part of your word searches, 3D printed whatever, and you should be able to find an outlet that will do that for you for that hard-to-find part. And the prices are generally pretty affordable. If you want to avoid a lot of ads that will annoy you, use the search engine DuckDuckGo. Stephen, hey, it's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. You just found out your mortgage is being sold to somebody who freaks you out. Tell me about that. First, I just want to say I listen to your show all the time, and thank you for your advice, the service you're doing, everybody. Thank you. What happened is, is my mortgage has been moved to another bank, a large bank that seems to have a lot of problems. Oh, go ahead and name them. Go ahead. Okay, it's Wells Fargo. Okay. And I'm just wondering, is there anything I can do about that? Because what's your opinion? Because, I mean, I didn't have anything to do with that. Sure. You just watch anybody like a hawk. Doesn't matter if it's Wells Fargo that is, as I call them, a criminal enterprise impersonating a bank. That with any transfer of a mortgage to a new servicer, that's where a lot of problems occur. And payments not being properly recorded, balances not being properly recorded. And what I'd like for you to do, do you get a monthly statement from your existing mortgage lender? Yes. So on there, it tracks your balance. I always want you to check up on their work. And if you go and search online, there are lots of people who do this, print out your own amortization schedule for your mortgage, and then you can track the balance they show on the coupon versus what your amortization schedule shows you should be at. And these are available free on the internet. You put in the date your mortgage started, your interest rate, and you're able to check their work. Okay. And so the advantage of that, particularly when a loan is sold, like yours has, the servicing's been sold to Wells, is that even not out of um, a bad intent, they just mess up clerically when loans are sold. And so that's why you want to check it out while it's happening in the months immediately after, because the greatest problems will occur quickly after a loan is sold. And the sooner you notice and the sooner you complain, the more likely it is it will be fixed properly. Bob is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Bob. Hi, Clark. Good to talk to you today. Well, great to have you here. You have a teenager who's ready to be a credit card holder. Is that right? Well, possibly. Uh, he got his first job, so uh, he was getting a paycheck, and I went to the bank, and they issued him a ATM debit card. And I guess my question is, is, is there any way he can get a credit card? He's pretty mature. It's just safer than a debit card. I guess that's what I'm coming at. Yeah, the debit card is not safe. 
uh, the, at 16, a child, and a lot of issuers allow this at age 15 or 16, depending on the issuer, where mm-hmm. you can add a minor child as an authorized user on one of your credit cards. Mm-hmm. And depending on the issuer, you may help your teenager already establish a credit record and a credit score based on your credit standing. Mm-hmm. And so the danger to you is you got to know your teenager and know if he will be responsible with that card. Right. But the advantage of it is that your teenager could hit adulthood already having a well-established solid credit record. And the credit card, if he's responsible and doesn't go crazy spending money, is far better than carrying that debit card, what I call a piece of trash, fake Visa, or fake MasterCard. Right. And then he can get his own at 18? Well, okay, so that's fuzzy. Because the law says if he becomes a full-time college student, that he's not to be marketed to for a credit card till his 21st birthday. Mm. And the reason that law exists is that a lot of people were handed cards at 18, weren't mature enough to handle them, and ended up running into very large credit card debts. Under the law, being an adult, they were responsible for them, and it ruins their credit for years to come. So the law was changed, uh, established that a college student was not eligible for a credit card till age 21 unless they were fully emancipated, meaning that they were providing for more than 50% of their financial support even though they're in college, in which case they're eligible for a card at age 18. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, how do you feel about your son? Do you think he'd be okay handling being an authorized user on one of your cards? I think I think he'd be okay, but then at the every month we'd have to tally up what were what are his expenses and what are my expenses and then he has to reimburse me. It's just a little messy. Not that hard. You know, with online access to accounts and they break them down by card number. Mm-hmm. So you should be able to tell which are his charges and what he owes you each month versus what's yours. He would get a separate credit card with a separate credit card number then? Depends on the issuer, but even when an issuer issues cards with same number, they usually know individual users based on information with that card being processed electronically. Okay. Just depends on the issuer itself. Okay. So whatever works best for you and your own family, though, is what you should do, Bob. Pam is with us here on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Pam. How are you doing? Hi, Clark. I'm fine. How are you? Great. Thank you. Pam, you are interested with all the data breaches and all the insecurities with everything going on with our personal stuff of a new way to protect your money. What are you thinking of? Well, I just wondered how safe and secure the different cell phone payment methods are, such as Apple Pay and Many um, stores now have uh, a payment service in their app that you can use. And I'm just, it seems convenient, but I'm just concerned about the security of it. So is best, I, I read a lot on this because I'm not smart enough 
to be able to tell you based on the what's the behind the scenes, how these things work. But based on everything I've read, the Android Pay, Apple Pay, Samsung Pay are safer methods, less likely to be vulnerable than using a traditional credit or debit card at point of purchase. Now, as far as the apps that are available for restaurants, which have done that so heavily, and to a lesser extent, retailers, there's so many of them proliferating. I don't know if they are, from the ground up, as safe a platform as you have with the the things from Samsung, Apple, and Google. So I, I don't know for certain. Now, having said that, I use the payment platform at only one restaurant. I don't use it anywhere else, the one that, that is their own through their app. Uh-huh. Everywhere else, I use the app to get whatever discounts I can get at a restaurant or retailer, but I still pay separately. Okay. So, so I just, this is an area that is so fast moving and I can't tell you, I mean, nobody can tell you with 100% certainty that a payment platform is going to be completely secure because we've seen no matter what and no matter what people's assurances have been that things have been vulnerable. But the traditional credit and debit card payment system is so antiquated that I think you do make a leap into more safety with the phone-based payment systems. Okay, that's good to know. I appreciate your help. I know you wanted a more definitive answer from me. You wanted it just to be, (laughs) yes, you should do this, or no, you shouldn't. (laughs) But you heard me being kind of mamby-pamby about it, right? (laughs) I had to be. I had to be because we just don't know. Joel, we have time for a quick Ask Clark. Yeah, Clark Jacklin says, I'd like some advice on legitimate work from home jobs. Oh, be careful in this area. We have done our best we could at Clark.com to come up with a list of legitimate work at home. Be aware, though, none of them pay a lot of money. And the ones that advertise online, scary. Sam, you have decided that you want to go as far away as possible. Where are you trying to run off to last minute? Yes. With me in Seattle here, we have all the cruise ships lines, and I'm just curious how I can get the best last-minute deal. I'm a single guy. That's one of the big issues, too. I mean, I, and, uh, I could be at the cruise ship tomorrow if I got, received a great deal. Help me out. All right. So only one cruise line, to my knowledge, has designed a special cabin on half a dozen of their ships that is for one person traveling, and that's Norwegian, NCL. Okay. They have these micro cabins they call studios. Right. And they are, um, your closet is probably bigger than the whole cabin. Right. But they don't mark it up as a single individual. But if you're going absolute last minute, even with a single supplement on other cruise lines, there are cruises that you will find phenomenal deals and i want to give you a website to go to and you can put in by port you can put in by a number of different filters like cruise line and see what last minute deals 
there are right now. All right. If you go to cruisecritic.com. Cruisecritic? Critic, yeah, cruisecritic.com. And right at the top, they have a deals button. Deal button. And you click on it, you'll see last-minute cruises. Wow, okay. And a lot of them are 70% off on last-minute cruises of all different lengths from a variety of ports. Okay, I will try that as soon as we hang up. And there, there's also a site I like called Cruise Compete, where you can put high-volume cruise-only agencies into competition for your business on a particular sailing on a ship. You see ones running soft with good deals. Put it into competition and see what you can get. It's my pleasure to have you with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you, that wallet of yours, your future. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Our main website's clark.com, and we have clarkdeals.com for you to find bargains around the clock. So something happening with increasing frequency, I heard a chilling audio tape of recently. It was a scam that has grown to incredible sophistication, where criminals pretend that they have kidnapped a relative of yours. Could be a son or daughter, um, completely much more sophisticated than what was known two years ago as the grandparent scam, where a criminal would call someone who was elderly and pretend that something had happened, uh, you know, an injury, an accident, or a kidnapping of a grandchild. Well, now that's child's play compared to how sophisticated these scams are now, employing what people can find out on social media and other means where they target people, uh, generally the parents of a child or the brother or sister of uh, an adult and will say that, that they have kidnap that individual or they're in trouble or uh, they owe money for a drug buy or whatever and they are doing this with full knowledge of the names of the family members a lot of knowledge of the person who they're uh, pretending has been kidnapped or is being held hostage or whatever they call her id when they call you is the caller ID of the person who supposedly has been kidnapped or being held hostage. In every case, you're told they are dead if you contact the police. And people out of love are immediately following the steps of the supposed kidnappers, the virtual kidnappers, and giving them money. It's upsetting enough to believe that someone you love is in danger of death and the after effects, the loss of the money, how you feel emotionally when you're happy to have that individual back who was never kidnapped, but the emotional consequences and financial are serious. So remember, it seems credible because the criminals know so much about the family and the individual 
And again, so much of that is because of social media. I want you to know that you want to stay calm and you want to call that individual who's supposedly been kidnapped who almost always you'll find out immediately is available on their phone and nothing at all has happened. As far as not talking to the police, don't listen to that and you call the police and get them involved. The chances that a loved one has actually been kidnapped is so unlikely, so rare. Remember to let your common sense and judgment do the thinking for you, not your emotions. April's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, April. Hey, Clark, how are you? Great, thank you. I'm talking about all the ways we connect to the grid. You want to deconnect. I want to deconnect. Is there such a term as deconnect? Did I just make up a word? <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> so we'll stick with that word. How are you deconnecting from life? So my husband and I, about three or four months ago, decided that we want, we want to travel the country in a camper with our two small kids um, for about a year. And we decided that we kind of want to live a simpler life. We kind of want to, like you said, deconnect and travel. I think the proper word I should have used is disconnect, but we're going to stay with deconnect (laughs) because this situation seems to fit my imaginary word. Yes. How old are your kids that you're going to travel with for a year? They're very young. They, at the moment, are three months and three years. Oh, my goodness. Um, You are so much braver a person than I am. Well, my husband and I aren't really the homeschooling type, so we have to do this um, before kindergarten gets here. All right. So have you saved up enough money to be able to do this and just travel by camper? We have not saved up enough money, no. Oh. So about two years ago, my husband's stepfather unfortunately passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. And he did leave a sizable inheritance. And his mother graciously paid for our home. Um, She also um, bought us a vehicle. And she um, also did some remodeling to our home. So in order to fund this trip, we would actually have to dip into our inheritance that is tied into our home. So um, we know that's very risky, but we have two options, I suppose. And that's why I'm calling you today. In order to start planning this trip, we've got to find out how to fund it with our, our inheritance that is tied into our home. So we were trying to figure out, do we do we just actually really disconnect and we sell our home? and come back and just start completely over? Or do we try to somehow get an equity loan to to fund our trip? All right. Well, before you quit your jobs, you would need to <laughs> do the paperwork for the home equity line of credit. Okay. If you do a home equity line of credit, though, it'll be a floating interest rate. Okay. And you have to be prepared for the fact that the interest rates the Federal Reserve controls directly impact a home equity line. So if the Federal Reserve okay. raises interest rates a quarter point, then immediately, pretty much, the home equity line would go up a quarter point. Right. If you okay. borrow this money to pay for a year on the road, how many years are you anticipating after you reconnect and go back to work and all that, would it take you to pay off the money you borrowed for the year? That would be pretty much our only debt. So I guess it would depend on 
how long they would, you know, those home type of home equity loans go for. We're not really sure. This is all new to us. All right. Well, you just used a word that fits right in with what I was going to say. I at this point, I'd only mentioned home equity lines, but for what okay. you want to do, probably doing a five-year home equity loan would make okay. the most sense. Okay. And with that, you have a fixed rate and you have 60 months to pay it off. Okay. Now, here's the crazy thing. You'd have to borrow a little bit more than you intend to use for a year because you'd have to start making payments almost immediately. Right. But when you return from the road, you'd have four more years to pay off that balance. Right. Okay. And that Um, would be... Because selling the home would only make sense if you're really thinking after a year when... We're likely not going back to our old lives. Right. Our children are going to be in school. We, we know that we want them to be starting kindergarten. Um, we definitely intend to, to come back and settle back down. Then, then um, I would keep the house you have, borrow the money you're going to need for that year, and hit the road with it. You know, very f- right. So many people dream of getting to do something like you're doing, but they don't get to do it for another like 30 years right and so you're turning this around and you're going to do it now with your kids and that takes a lot of guts it's very scary (laughs) it's very scary we we definitely made the decision that it's going to happen but it is very scary and there's so many other things to think about while while planning something like this but we're super excited well i hope it is a wonderful experience for your whole crew your whole family doing this. Arn is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. It's my pleasure to have you here. So my wife currently works for a nonprofit, uh, which offers for a 503B uh, plan, and obviously the, I mean, the costs are very B. high. I'm sorry, yeah, 403, correct. And You the, were scaring uh, me. I thought you were going to tell me there was another form of retirement <laughs> savings that I wasn't tuned into. No, no, it's that. I just misspoke. I'm sorry. So her 403B plan is a TIA plan? Uh, no, it's not. It's through uh, another company, and they do charge uh, some very high fees. And uh, we found out, obviously, that she's not able to roll that over into a separate plan. Um, however, she's not looking to leave the company, and so we'd like to know what our options are so that we could utilize our money a little bit better. All right. So generally, 403Bs many times will have a feature that is not available in 401ks, which is even when you're still currently employed, many times the individual products you have purchased inside a 403b, once you're outside of what's known as surrender period on that individual item, you are normally allowed to do a 1035 exchange where you move it into a lower cost plan. Now the problem is, is that in most 403b plans which are generally astronomically high cost Uh they also come with what's known as this thing called a surrender period which is usually seven to ten years and if you move the money before that surrender period is up you are charged even if you properly transfer it under the tax code under this 1035 thing you're still subject to massive penalties from the insurance company that administers the 403b so what i what i like for people to do who Uh are saving money for retirement in a 403b is save 
only what you want to beyond $6,000 in a year in your own Roth IRA. Because the 403B plans have such massive expenses. It's not unusual for all the costs added in in a 403B to be uh-huh. 40 times what the costs are per year for a low-cost plan. Okay. Four zero so, times, which okay. is, I mean, that's that means that even though your wife is a diligent saver for the future, uh-huh. she could end up in years even that investments are doing well having a negative return on her account because of the massive fees the insurance companies charge on these 403Bs. Okay. How much does she put in the 403B each year? Uh, right now, she's putting in 10%. And what does that equate to in dollars, approximately? That is about 6500 So this is perfect. She could cut that back down to 1000 a year, uh-huh. and do the other dollars into the Roth IRA. Okay, and then just pick a, a good... Uh, yeah, and I've got a guide there. of the cheap companies, my favorite cheap companies. Uh-huh. They're cheap not because they're bad, but because they're good. On uh, My okay. investment guide at Clark.com. Okay, great. All right, well, best to you, and I'm glad that just talking about all the problems has people looking at what a ripoff almost all 403B plans are. Yeah, and then I had one more question regarding the 1035 exchange. Is that an exchange that we can do outside of the current 403 fund, or is that an exchange we'd have to do within? So what you can do, no, you can take the money generally, and I'm giving you general advice because the rules are so technical on these, but you're allowed tax-free to move it from this provider, whoever is the provider who's charging the massive fees inside the 403B, to another provider that would be a low-cost one. And it would have to be a 403B plan as well, correct? Well, not necessarily. That's one of the things that's modified in the rules. But if you, you know, she's in an annuity contracts inside that 403B, and the easiest exchange of all is to go from the ultra-high-cost insurance company annuities to a low-cost one with Vanguard. Okay, I Van- have been looking at Vanguard. Vanguard has uh, annuity plans that they're not going to be as cheap as the really great plans with Vanguard that normally I would have you invest in, but the uh-huh. costs are usually one-fifteenth uh, to one-twentieth of what they are with an insurance company annuity. Okay, great. So I'm glad you're focusing on this, and I would go to somebody like Vanguard and talk with an annuity specialist who'd be able to guide your wife and you on whether or not you have money in that 403B that can be moved, surrender charge free, and using the 1035 exchange. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. 
Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me on Clark.com. Producer Joel asks it for you. Yeah, that's right, Clark. Bob wrote in. He says, what are your thoughts on Dashlane? Bob, Dashlane is great. If you're not familiar with Dashlane and their competitor, LastPass, they have the ability to generate a unique uh, password for you for every account you have, and you only have to remember one. So they're able to do extremely complicated passwords for you. Now, the latest advice, though, on passwords that has come from the tech community is that really the most effective passwords are not combinations of uppercase, lowercase, symbols, numbers. The most effective thing is to use an extremely long phrase that gets you to so many characters that the mathematical possibility of cracking your password becomes hard. And so people are doing these elaborate long phrases that would only be known to them as a password. Whichever works for you is fine. All right, Clark Perry wrote in. He says, what's your opinion of the websites where you can invest in real estate online? If I had an extra $100 each month to invest, would that be a good idea? So the latest things are actually, to me, a step backwards. You pay typically a fee of 2 to 3% with these real estate ventures where you become part of a group owning individual properties. And when you're looking to invest periodically, instead of paying 2 to 3% to be in the game, I would rather you look at something simple like what's known as a REIT index fund. I know that just sounded like a lot. Real Estate Investment Trust Index Fund. Those you can go into for expense ratios that are typically 120th of what these monthly investment groups are and your money's far more diversified than being in an individual property or two or three or five. Steven had a question. He says, I've frozen my account at all three credit reporting agencies, yet Discover Card claims to give me a credit score with each statement. What gives? What a great question. First of all, fantastic. You've frozen your credit. What that does is that keeps people imitating you, pretending to be you, applying for credit as if they are you. However, if you already have an existing credit relationship, the credit grantor, the credit card company, will check your credit file every single month. That is a permissible use, and you are already their customer. So now Discover really kicked this off, but lots of credit card companies do this. They either make your credit score available to you every month on a monthly statement, or if you sign in or use the app for them, you can see your score at any time for free because they're already getting the score anyway. They might as well let you see it. So that is not something to fret about. They have a legitimate right to see your credit score. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.